0: Then are I'm getting are ready we here. on air? Are we're we on, on air? air? Are we yet. just kind of. oh are just, <laughs> just talking. Right it, I mean, it kind of was the news, wasn't it? I mean, We got to talk about all this stuff again. There it is. Oh man! I right,
1: some bojams.
2: This is, a is like getting
1: professional.
2: We're getting there. It's. Uh,
0: it,
2: we're getting there.
3: It's like the waiting lobby music. Sure. Okay. You know, would be professional is not talking over the intro.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry what about happens. that. Everybody.
3: I was good at
2: this. You know what? Also, would
1: be would be professional is me actually pulling out my real microphone. But I'm yeah. Gonna...
0: And Joff mm-hmm. has mood lighting. Ooh, nice. I can't tell any difference, but that's okay.
2: Remember what were you guys talking about before we went live?
0: Well, we had two things we were talking about. One was, of course, the, the solar winds thing, which is what's probably going to be talked about between now and forever. Um, yeah, and, and we've we got a
2: uh, a big webcast coming up on
1: solar winds. Yeah, we do, we do. Um, it's John Ham, John Ham, and Jake Malware. Jake and John are doing one right before Christmas. So it's, it's like a Christmas wind. miracle. It is a Christmas miracle. Hey, you know what? Hey. I'm going to pull out the big microphone just for, I mean, yeah, oh, here for we,
2: go.
0: we got the meeting that we were in earlier. John made a good joke, right? Like, I mean, everybody in InfoSec should uh, think, uh, think APT 29, uh, because
1: if we didn't have job security before. Yeah. yeah you know, we got a lot more. <laughs> so business is, is going to uh, peak. Uh, yeah. I mean, we should be kind of glad, I suppose. Um, no, hey, I'm changing to the good mic now. So, well, hey, it should change be. a little bit because this is a large diaphragm condenser mic. I can hear hey. the difference. Yeah, you do sound more yeah. professional now. Hey, welcome to what are we calling this? <laughs>
0: Apparently, it's rambling about the
1: news with not <laughs> <Mom. laughs> rambling about the news on the oh, few days I left I before Christmas it. Eve. Hold
2: on, hold on. There's a problem with my settings here. I gotta fix it. Okay. They can't hear me. We'll get more
1: professional, Ryan.
3: Oh. Bunch they can't off. hear us.
2: Yeah, that's my problem. Sorry, uh, people.
3: You know what that means? That means that no one talked <laughs> over the intro.
1: No one right. talked over the intro. <laughs> so it's amazing that uh, we're actually nearing the end of 2020 because it, it, it feels like one long nightmare. Oh, oh. Say something. Something. Uh, I,
2: think. <laughs> ah, I think it worked.
1: <laughs> Okay. Are we on air now, let's, Ryan? Let's let's see what the chat says. You know
0: we're all three smart asses when all three of us simultaneously go something. Yeah, I
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> something dreadfully, something's dreadfully right there, I think. <laughs> I need somebody in the chat to give me a yay or nay. Yeah. Hey, chat people, can you hear
2: us? All right. We're good. I hear I hear some yays. Okay. Okay. So game on. All right.
0: Back to one. So what? quick recap from me talking over the intro music, right? Um I think the biggest news so far is that we have a webcast coming up that is going to talk about the really what is the biggest news and it's the SolarWinds hack, right? So Correct. And uh who who was on the webcast that
3: we're
2: going to We have, have John Strain of course, we have yep, Jake John. Williams, Jonathan Ham, and that's all well, I'm aware of at it.
1: this moment. But- that was it, right? That's a that's a pretty good lineup. That's I a mean, pretty good you know, lineup. Um, I mean, you know, they, they, they're great guys, and, and I think it'll be a great show. Uh, this is it's coming up on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday yes. is it,
2: Brian? Uh, Twenty third yeah. Wednesday,
1: according
2: to the calendar. And it'll be at one p.m. Eastern, and we will have it on YouTube, streaming on YouTube. It's going to be a typical webcast where we go through you go to webinar, but uh, we're also going to throw it up on YouTube, just like we're doing right now at the same time. So, so I mean, a, you know, but,
1: but if anybody hasn't read uh, about the SolarWinds attack, go, go out and uh, well, that's probably not the right way to call it, but it's a supply chain compromise uh, of the software. But go out and check out some of the articles that FireEye have put out. They're pretty good read. Uh, they do talk about the Orion component and the fact that, that there are actually digitally signed portions of the software that were compromised uh, in, in kind of a long game. So it's, um, it's quite frightening because this is, this is something that you wouldn't spot unless you were specifically looking for things like post-C2 channel establishment uh, activity, um, you know, things like uh, privilege escalation. Boy, I try to put some words together. Uh, and lateral movement techniques. It's one of those and, things, and, and, Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, uh, and, re- and recon techniques in, in the environment. You, you, you probably wouldn't see this. And, Uh, And I think John, you know, John was saying it today. It it wasn't until the attackers actually started getting active uh, with the access that it that it really gets gets spotted. So, and the other thing is, it's just so widespread. I mean, this software is used so widely that the the amount of organizations that are impacted uh, is just frightening. I mean, I can only imagine the panic going through some of these security operations and network operations centers. Right now, trying to contain or at least even assess uh, the, the, the impact to then move to containment. So,
0: Yeah, I was actually saying the other day that I think the biggest Christmas gift that I've received so far is that I am not on an IR team in a place that's <laughs> relying solar winds. Because, I mean, how, how would you ever convince yourself that you're good? I mean, because I mean, from from the folks who aren't so because you have the solar winds compromised, and then the people, you know, who updated and then got compromised. I mean, if you look at that from a detection standpoint, that's your server infrastructure. And so are you instrumented to find beaconing traffic, network traffic or anomalous yeah. network traffic from your server infrastructure? Because. I mean, yeah, I've seen lockdown environments where servers can't even talk to the internet, but that's like few and far between. That's the way that I would recommend to do it if you can. But, I mean, I, I don't know. All the organizations that we test, I would think that 90% of them would not catch this initially.
1: Yeah, so, so that's the that's the hard part. When you look at the maturity of an organization as they go through their own defense hardening you know, they're clearly, um, they, they tend to go after the client side of the network first. And and hardening uh, a data center and server side and doing internal segmentation in in a service server side of the house and the data center side of the house is, is quite a difficult exercise and takes a lot of strategic um, planning. I mean, because
0: let's uh, face it, this is a one way to get around EDR on the endpoint, is it not?
1: <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so… Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting and and then the other thing that I think frightens everybody and and we were saying this on Security Weekly the other night is just how does the how deep does the rabbit hole go, right? Okay, so you know, we we we've seen this one because of some activity uh, post compromise. Um how many others are there? I mean, how do we even know? Uh, so it's it's a wake-up call for sure.
0: Well, didn't... I, I mean, I've kind of got this all in bits and pieces. I just now got the time in my schedule to kind of sit down and read everything through. Uh, but didn't they initially say that it was something like 18,000 customers? Or, and somehow I caught that they had 18,000 licensed customers and like 300,000 not licensed customers. And the ones that weren't licensed were okay because I guess they weren't getting valid updates. But if it's 18,000 customers...
1: Yeah. Wow. That's,
3: that's a huge impact. Right. So, one of the things that I saw today that is most more concerning to me than any of the other companies is that uh, VMware was one of the breached companies as part of the SolarWinds. So, if we're talking about supply chain uh, compromise, is it now chained supply chain company compromise? Because yeah. if they get into solar, or if they got in, to the VMware infrastructure via solar winds and then compromise things in VMware. Right. I mean who's, the, who's to say keep, they, keep it rolling.
1: Yeah, who's to say they didn't embed something in the source code in, in products like VMware? And that's that's horrendous to th- Thanks thanks Rob. I'm really depressed now. Okay, cancel Christmas everybody. No, <laughs> no he's you're, you're you're right on target. I mean the you know that there's plenty of shops out there uh, that are obviously in the business of producing software products and And, you know, how far, again, it's it's that how deep, does the well, rabbit hole go?
0: I mean, I'm still not convinced that, like, you know, as a whole, the industry, the information security industry can even handle this. Because I saw reading <laughs> something earlier today where they were talking about, oh, yay, Microsoft sinkholed the domain that C2 was going one like, of, with. One of one them. them. Okay. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Oh, my so God.
3: what they did with Sinkholding it, they didn't really, they, they sinkholed it for a bit, and then they turned it into a, quote, unquote, kill action where yeah. it was providing a response uh, yes, back right. to the c2 to to exit or close the session. Right. And so that's effective if it calls back to that, right? So if if you have 17 uh, domains that it pings to and all of the other domains get shut down and one magically turns back on. Yeah, right, but you had this it, group it's and- effective.
0: Oh, no, I, I definitely agree. To, to, to And, you know, if, if I was on the threat actor team, okay, the SolarWinds thing is burned. But we had, what, at least nine, ten months that we know of where they were active in whatever networks they wanted to be active in. Oh, good God.
3: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Okay. Oh. So also I wanted to bring up that if you remember Target, Target was a two-year turnaround or 200-day turnaround or something like that. Yeah. Um, one of the two. I forget. There's a big gap there, but but it was something like a two year turnaround on this thing. So being only four, five, six months or whatever, that's a pretty good uptick.
1: Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're, we're doing better.
3: We just gotta get it down to months and then weeks and then days.
1: Then hopefully days. And hopefully sub day. Uh that right. would be nice. But uh,
3: yeah. And the the last thing I wanted to bring up with solar winds stuff, um real quick was the fact that if you read through some of the um, articles on it, it looks like FireEye didn't actually "quote unquote" detect it um, with anything. They they were alerted by a user um, that their their MFA was being used somewhere that wasn't normal, and so nothing, no technology detected this uh, breach. It was a person who detected the breach and reported it and like as i was saying to a couple people this morning like people are your best detection um, tool in any organization oh without doubt yeah
0: so, and that reminds me that a couple of weeks ago, I, we have a fellow tester who was on a test who uh, got in from the, he was on an external and he kept uh, hitting the push notification for the VPN and uh, ended up the uh, end user said, okay, finally, and he got the VPN. And so uh, whoever was the person who alerted FireEye needs their $5 Starbucks gift card as a reward.
1: Yeah. No, no kidding. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, that's actually an interesting thing that Derek said, because, you know, as pen testers, We'll often try that, right? I mean, we know there's 2FA there. It's like, oh, why not? See if you can bug the user enough that they go, okay, forget it. I'm just going to let this go through. My phone's driving me crazy. And it's not it's the like first the, time I've seen that happen. Yeah. Thanks for the access, right? So,
3: yeah, but that, that's something that we can, we can build technology into, right? So, yeah. like, and training. The, the, right. Well, okay, I'm, I'm kind of against user training. Uh, honestly, because users are not, users are not, it's not their job to do security well. It's our job to do security well. And I realize I just said that people are our best detection method, but tell, but, but, people. uh,
0: well, no, so I agree with Rob, right? Because I think if people like let them report things that they find anomalous, like if you think anything, it's just like, you know, when you walk through the airport, if you think anything's weird, say something and then I'll determine if it's weird or not. Right. But you're right. Because how many years did we tell, people not to click on links and emails. And then the InfoSec team would turn around and send a link in an email. And right. <laughs> so it was terrible advice. So don't click on bad links in email. Okay, great. That's, that's a great training thing. Yeah.
1: Well, it, yeah, that, that, that opens up a, uh, you know, th- there's a whole line of discussion there, right. That, that I think in, in the industry, as a general rule, we've probably been asking too much of our users over time, right? We, we've, you know, we ask them to do stuff. And then, we, and then we end up with contradictory advice, just like Derek said, because the world changes. And and so you've got to find that balance. There's no way that you can put it all on the shoulders. Oh, let me be users. clear. I'm not
0: saying that we should end all user training. It's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is is we should be better at the small amount of training that we we end up giving to users because I have sat through – you know, a day of of information security, like corporate training, to do a pen test before, and it's just that's ridiculous, right? So,
1: you know. yeah, so, it needs to be focused, uh, focused correctly, right? I mean, it's got to be, got to be stuff that's effective uh, that they that people really can do, and that's it.
3: Eric not, Taylor not in the chat says, "To so to be clear, the FireEye tools leak is separate than the Solar Winds and not tied to it anyway." Question mark. Just curious if they got their tools leaked because they were a solar winds customer my That's a what fantastic question My guess would be that this is this is just full speculation without any inside knowledge at all is that the solar winds because it has all the credentials, right for lots of stuff, my guess is that someone stole the credentials out of solar winds. And then use those credentials to hit an internal GitHub or an ex- internal GitLab or an external GitHub with private repositories and stole those tools out of there. And then the person whose credentials were stolen noticed that the MFA or the or the authentication happened without the MFA or whatever, and then they reported it. That would be my... Yeah, speculation guess
0: that sounds pretty plausible especially since i don't know joff rob what do you think uh your experience is that that solarwinds account that domain account was da i'm not oh. saying that's the case at <laughs> i'm just saying that i mean the overrunner that i like my chances that any compromised service counts a da
1: yeah i mean it it probably was right you know it's fairly uh common in organizations for for any infrastructure like accounts uh, to have pretty high level of privilege, and and solo might be one of those, and Backup I mean, is another class. FireEye
3: is a security company, so I'd give it a fifty-fifty. Oh yeah, no, I I, I, would, I I wouldn't put it like 90-10, like those organizations. Right, that's that's a good you know. I mean, I,
0: I probably was a you know an administrator of the server at least, and I, I'd like to think that the companies that are making, I mean, I've pen tested security companies before, and I'll say that they tend to do a better job. I mean, typically. Yeah. And and so I would agree with you. I'm not – I mean, look, uh, if FireEye caught it not with one of their tools, they obviously have a good security and awareness training program, and kudos to the people who did that because there are, uh, nine, or what, 17,999 other companies that that didn't happen at.
3: That's a great point. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, by the way,
0: uh, I, I did go look at my local Zeke uh, server to see if that C2 domain was there, and it wasn't.
3: So – that was my first thing when i read it it's like oh crap let's see if that's oh i have a bunch of solar winds vms and as soon as i heard it like that oh, night nice. <laughs> the night it broke i ran down i got up out of bed ran downstairs turned off all of the vms i'm like i am not gonna mess with this yeah. containment
0: is is achieved we will look at eradication and recovery unless and oh, yeah. in the sure. morning later
3: yeah
1: <laughs> uh, don't blame me a bit so what else is going on here at the end of 2020, fellas? I mean,
0: I don't think, you know, it, it, I don't think I've seen any other like InfoSec
3: related news other than the wind stuff. So mm. not in the last week. But. Well, you just talked about the iPhone stuff with, by, by reading it for a split second. So before That's the show true.
0: started. That is true. Right. I came unprepared. I just showed up to the meeting thinking I'd you know ride everyone else's coattails. So hey, we'll <laughs> uh, we'll we'll change uh, uh, gears. And so Rob brought to my attention, hey, iPhone user, did you hear about the iPhone attack? And since I do some mobile app testing and have jailbroken devices, I thought that would be neat to go look at. And it turns out that apparently back in July and August, there are government. Uh, uh, there's a government related, like nation state related malware used to, to get into 36 personal phones belonging to journalists, producers, news anchors, and executives at Al Jazeera.
3: Get a, so, link, put it in the chat. Oh yeah. That's it's good, already, it's already in the info news articles channel. That's mm-hmm. what our, where I was told to put it. Oh, that's good. Gotcha. I'm, if I was okay, looking well, there, it would be great. Okay, I got it. <laughs> if I knew how to
0: use Discord, that would be good too. You know, we, we started talking about uh, zero days, and I think my comment was that, look, you know, that uh, is terrifying, and I hope that there is never a government after me because, you know, 36 people versus 18,000 SolarWinds customers, I mean, it's a, a big difference, right? But if you're important enough or you're doing something that a government's going to burn a zero day on you, I I think you have some real especially, issues
3: especially one with this supposed like level of of nastiness like very few zero days in ios at least that i've seen were zero click right this is this is something that goes from an i being loaded by ios which already is um sandboxed to high heaven and it gets around that sandbox into some kind of uh Kernel level exploitation, so that it can read all of the other messages unencrypted, and and inject messages into the iMessage app. So, this is this is insane. Like this, whoever kudos to whoever developed it. Whatever you know, dark room developer who made this this exploit because yeah that's
0: that's a team of developers working for years or a year uh in in a dark room together right like that chaining all that stuff together even if you were starting outside so i usually tell people and that's my opinion is my feeling is is that you know by and large apple and and uh, android devices themselves the operating systems these days are relatively secure it, it Usually the problems come these days when people make changes to their phones, like allowing third-party app stores or or jailbreaking them or rooting them or whatever. Then you can start to get into some trouble if that's like, you know, your main phone that you're using. And then apps and data collection, but that's sort of a separate story. So that's what I was saying is the the, the level of of wanting to, I mean, it, I would almost bet that the people who were targeted for this were also being surveilled in other type of, of ways, right? Like these are targets.
3: And you got the also kudos to whatever, um, operator that chose the domain banana kick.net or, and hold my door. Cause those are hilarious. Those are the C2 domains they used. <laughs> I, I honestly would like if I had the chance or I'd thought about it, like hold the door is definitely a, an amazing C2 domain. Oh, is that Anyways. a Game of Thrones joke? I think it a is, yeah, is a Game of Thrones you know, joke. Sorry. No, I mean, <laughs> it, it,
1: it's good, though. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's amazing. That's that's a it's always good that your threat actors have a sense of but humor. I mean, I mean, you know. but if you're going to go to all that trouble to
0: have sophisticated you know single click you know uh back why not make your c two domain I mean I guess the chances that someone's actually gonna be like looking at the traffic that comes off their phone is probably pretty slim, but you know I, if anyone's actually ever looked at the traffic that comes off their phone, it is actually rather terrifying,
1: on terrifying. yeah <laughs> so I'm right there with you it's uh it, it is uh just a swath of communications that comes off phones. That's um yeah, especially the Android space. But I I imagine it's no different in the Apple space. I I haven't spent too much time uh in the Apple space. But you know, hey, live uh live and learn with new exploits every day, right? I mean we don't have a shortage of business, so I'll give you that.
3: So other than news, are you are y'all playing with any new fun uh pieces of code or tools in recent tests or anything anything that's uh more that you keep in your pocket for every test or anything like that. Everybody's like, "It the, the only one on the camera, camera, camera now We're not talking about." Stuff. Stuff. No,
1: <laughs> we, we lower the cone of silence.
3: That's um, hilarious.
1: Yeah, sharing is caring. I know it is, right? <laughs> so, uh, what what to say about that? I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I think I spend a, I spend a tremendous amount of time these days with some of our tests. Doing a a lot more with .NET assemblies and a lot less with uh, PowerShell, right? And I, I think that's a fairly obvious statement. We know the industry has pivoted in that direction, and and playing around with obfuscation <laughs> of .NET assemblies is kind of fun, and usually gets us usually gets us where we need need to go. I love the um, and this this is within the last two years. This is not necessarily recent, but um, I love the fact that we can patch the uh, the Amc scan buffer uh, method uh, and bypass Amc scanning things. I think that's kind of fun. It's lots of neat techniques, right? It's always it's always punch counter punch in this industry, with 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 everything that that goes on. I don't know me, I you know tend to tend to operate in the post the the, the uh, post exploitation kind of world fairly often in some of the um, some of the engagements that I'm doing. I haven't done as many red team lately. Don't know why that is. Sometimes it's just the way the work work comes at us. Had a, a really fun, I have to say. Ha, um, Covid has been the gift that keeps on giving uh, when it comes to phishing. It is it is so horrible that we can do this, but uh, the the old taglines of back to work safety campaigns are amazingly effective in uh, in phishing these days. Really, because they're so compelling, right? People are like, oh yeah, I want to know when I can get back in the office and what they're doing. You know, I I did one fairly recently where um, not only did I get a really nice success rate uh, with respondents capturing credentials. At the same time, uh, reverse proxying the traffic, you know, so um, lot, lots of good stuff, real authentication source behind it. But not only that, uh, I put—I I, I love using surveys, uh, especially with the old COVID back-to-work safety kind of campaigns. And and it's great fun when the users actually go through the entire survey and actually give real data uh, back.
0: Did you include that also as supporting data archive for the
1: report to the customer? Yeah, so I put it right into the free report. Survey. I'm, like, I'm like, hey, you know... I, you might as well let HR know that we've got some real data here. Yeah. Um, they might how actually- do
3: you feel about your current manager? <laughs> <Here>. <laughs> wow.
0: You just oh, saved man. the company hundred like a hundred thousand dollars. Good job. Yeah.
3: Do you know do you know how many times I've had to fill out those those types of, you know, status surveys for companies? It's insane. Like I don't understand how anybody expects like honest, truthful answers in those, anyways.
1: So the 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 one I kind of liked in in my survey was was I went ahead and put in the question, how many of you? Uh, uh, no, no. What was it? Let me rephrase. It was oh yeah yeah. Uh, it's uh, when the vaccine comes out, will you take it? And I was like, you know, let's see let's see how this sticks. Right. Not surprisingly, I got about a. a, a um, I think it was about a 60-40 response with 40% saying no and 60 saying yes which is kind of reflective of what we're hearing out there you know in the media and stuff so I was like wow I know it's pretty low count of respondents I have to admit I didn't I didn't get up to probably what was a reasonable sample size
0: the the watch stream bullet is above like below Russian Russian hackers have been inside Austin blank for months i can't read past that part without clicking stream austin city limits was the first thing that came to mind but like i guess that's not really okay. what we hackers are going to go well, um <laughs> uh,
2: dustin <laughs> put it in the uh OSEC
3: News channel so i just grabbed right it in right there. there oh oh nice well yeah. okay so one, the one of the things that really stands out to me for this particular is austin is where a lot of companies are migrating to because California is shut down. Right. Uh, because everyone's working from home and it doesn't cost an arm and a leg to live there. Right. Yep. So if Russian hackers are attacking this particular city in the U S then they're looking to, you know, gain access to other corporations that have moved there. Right. So yeah. sure. This
1: is, which is numerous, yeah. right? I mean, that's uh, Austin's yeah. a pretty big. Oh man! I thought, Even you know, back to this, the, Austin was a pretty big, heavy uh, tech center. Anyway. We're
0: back to being depressed about 2020 and wondering <laughs> if we do need help from uh, Jack and Jim at Christmas time because I think we're going to. Um, well. So, Everything in moderation, Derek. so uh, one thing you were talking about like asking about the cool tools and stuff I, I guess it's not new, but uh, John mentioned something earlier in a meeting I was in um, about uh, AI hunter, which is getting renamed to AC hunter, which is real intelligence threat analytics Rita and, and is the free version of that was it wasn't this malware, but it was we had a a, a customer uh, who was saying that they were actually somehow giving a demo of AI Hunter, and it was the only thing that actually caught real malware in in the demo pcap, and like the demo pcap actually was how this incident got started. So if anyone's sitting here wondering, man, how am I going to find out if um, you know I have hackers in my network? Well, for free, you can go and set up Rita and at least start getting an idea of uh, looking at anomalies in your in your network because. While all this, you know, you know, the the hack can be the most sophisticated ever, and this actually might be finally one where I agree this is the most sophisticated hack ever because that's what they always say, right? It's the most sophisticated hack ever. Uh, it's hard to hide from math. You know, math doesn't work that way. So yeah, I, yeah. worth so, a shot. So,
1: and, and the thing about Rita and and the AI hunt or now AC. Hunt, I don't know who came up with the name. I don't do I don't do marketing. I don't know what that's all about. But well,
0: I, so AI Hunter stands for actual intelligence and I swear, like I said on the, in the meeting earlier, it comes from 2016 when we were at DerbyCon and there was a booth there with some new thing where they were using machine learning to find network anomalies and Brian Fairman started asking some really hard math questions and talking about machine learning and they didn't come back the next day.
1: And yeah, so that's he literally it, scared it, off a vendor uh, yeah, just by asking. And, you you know, at, at that time, at, at that time we were actually using uh, using signals uh, processing to actually detect the C two channels. If you remember, we were yeah, we Brian were actually wrote the, uh,
0: the code. We were there doing a talk on it. <laughs> we were,
1: and, and we were uh, we were actually using uh, a frequency based analysis by by uh, by turning those um, beaconing events in into frequency uh, measures. It's a DSP a digital sig- a signal processor kind of technique. I'm trying to think um, what was the name of it again. Fast Fourier Transform. Yeah, it was a Fast Fourier Transform. Yeah. That's right. I've uh, I've come to understand that the technique used in Rita has significantly changed now because um, there were some weaknesses. Yeah, in it's,
0: now um, it's a modified version of K-means clustering. So I, I think higher right. level stats. Yeah, it's not actually K-means clustering. It was ended up modifying. I mean, you can go look the code if you want to. You know, if you really want to know, go but, see, you know, go right? see. it's the, open
1: source. But. The bottom line and the beautiful thing is completely protocol agnostic. This thing can detect beaconing period. and it can with a great deg- degree uh, of, of accuracy right is it perfect there's no tool that's perfect right will it have false positives absolutely it will there's software that beacons all the time that is not c2 channels right but um, you know if you if you get something that gives you a one step in the right direction then especially yeah. when it's a, the the engine of this thing is a, is a free as in free beer download you 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 should probably take it
0: Yeah, a layered approach. You know, that's actually one of the things that drew me to data science and InfoSec was that um, with all this data, if you can find patterns and anomalies in it, I mean, I think that's where a lot of detection will end up going in in the future. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think uh, the the, uh, active countermeasure folks are actually working on doing the same kind of detection techniques on endpoint logs. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. Where that goes, because I think that's that's a especially now with people, everybody working from home, you know, the endpoint it's kind of harder to make sure everybody's under that that network uh, security monitoring umbrella. Yeah.
1: yeah, under that same pipe, if you like, right? That's, yeah, that's the challenge.
0: Well, I mean, I, I was recently on a test where I mean, the, the customer had two VPN options. Now they allowed split tunneling or full tunneling because their user base required them to essentially get to that point because of usability, right? So what do you do from a network security monitoring technique or, you know, standpoint when when the technique won't work for half your user base because they have to use a different VPN for performance reasons, right? So, yeah, I mean, no, it's a, what do you do? There's
1: been, I, I I can, I'm sure that many, many, many of the people out there listening um, have had these struggles with their, their network infrastructures during COVID times with the entire access layer of your network has changed, right? Everybody went home, right? Everything's VPN, which is which is considerable pressure on everybody. Oh office.
0: yeah, I mean, I, I think you know, this twenty twenty has been one of those years of uh, you know significant change that was no no one foretold, right? Because the, the place where my uh, wife works, which I'm not going to say. You know, they're relatively large. And when everybody went home immediately, they literally didn't have the VPN concentrator capacity. Like, she would be getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go VPN in and then go back to bed. So, she'd get a spot on the VPN. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I know, right? I mean, it's fixed now, right? But, I mean, how many – how the VPN vendors, like, how many concentrators can they actually pump out when – you know half the companies in the US are like hey we need 12 more concentrators y'all got any more of those
3: Should yeah, have so- more stock in
1: vpn's zoom and vpn manufacturer. Yeah. so it makes it makes you wonder how um you know whether people uh will really start a rethinking um uh, in in earnest uh, across the industry start looking at the um you know the, all of this okay forgive me for saying this i don't have um a bourbon with me but zero trust and uh uh you know sort of beyond traditional model networks beyond corp.
0: i'll i'll drink some tea to that then since i yeah, you know exactly. i don't have bourbon either
1: beyond corp but... that's the right words and google's been doing it for a while there's others you know you know universities have been that forever oh. right which is kind of funny except that <laughs> They're zero test uh, in terms of you know how how fast can we exploit you uh, usually, um, and uh, don't get me wrong, I love I love universities. I worked for a university for years, um, but I I know I know what that world was like, very very tough.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I also think that uh, next year we'll see uh, anomaly detection and, and threat hunting get even more popular, right? Because I, like I was saying earlier, like I mean, I I I don't know what you would like how would you ever convince management or yourself as a you know a SOC analyst or a threat hunter in a relatively large environment that ran runs SolarWinds? like how are you going to convince yourself you're good and how long is that going to take cuz you can't burn it all down and start over like that would be nice but if you have 20,000 endpoints and 800 servers that's not happening right
1: well and, you know. and what's going to happen Really, uh, what's going to happen on the on the uh, software development lifecycle for for these companies, right? I mean, are they going to really step up their security in, in terms of inserting appropriate review in the DevOps cycle, or or if they're a more traditional kind of waterfall model, are they going to really insert people into that model to do appropriate review or not? I mean, it. And, and and is it gonna make a difference? You know, maybe they're already there, and most likely Wait, they are to some extent. But
0: you're referring to like a compromised update process, right? Like and and yep. getting that detected? Yep. Right?
1: Yeah. I mean well, dev dev and updates from dev, you know, it's it's gonna take a long time to do oh, that. Oh yeah.
0: I'm yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know the story of what happened at SolarWinds and how they got compromised, but, I mean, it doesn't sound like to me that, you know, if customers were just checking the checksum, that that would have helped in this circumstance at all, right? right. I mean, it, was, it sounds like they were getting what was a valid update. So, I mean, I don't know that users can do anything about that kind of stuff, right? It's going to be on the supply chain, and then you know, speaking of someone who worked as you know, uh, you know, in government contracting, you know, part of my life, there's so many subcontractors when it comes to like you know, you know, parts of the, our our large you know government. Like, how do you how how do you deal with them? And this has been a thorn in the side, and this is why APT like you know years ago, starting going after all these little smaller subcontractors that the government is forced by law to include in contracts, um, you know, SBIR contracts. And if you're a 50-person shop doing this one little thing, and now you're all of a sudden, are you, do you need a $100,000 a year network threat hunter on your team? That's not going to go over well.
1: Well, it's never a, a boring moment, I'll tell you that.
0: Okay, so just real quick, is this one of the last, probably is the last news one, unless we do on a Wednesday, right? Because no one's going to be around next week. So, I don't real think quick, we're going to do all... one
2: on Wednesday just because we got that big webcast because, going on.
0: I mean, we can't end the show without doing predictions for 2021, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. We Go should we should
1: it. have a little fun with that, right? Um, so how do you want to focus the predictions for 2021, though? I mean,
0: I, mean, I don't even care if it's InfoSec related, to be honest, but... <laughs>
1: right? Do You want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go, man. It's, <laughs> right, so, I, I'm not good at crystal ball.
0: Yeah, me either. Usually what I say, I mean, I would have said years ago that by 2020, we would all be using, you know, app-like, you know, devices to get to Microsoft Word. Like, basically, people will be running tablets instead of computers at their desks at work, but that didn't happen. So let's see how good I am at stuff. No, I, I guess I was seeing, I kind of alluded to it earlier, I think, uh, network threat hunting and network security monitoring is going to get really popular and also endpoint you know in terms of monitoring because i think a lot of edr products seem to be more of, of con- and and then as a whole like companies you know are we need to stop the, an attack right and i think um that there'll be more of a uh event towards detecting things which is probably in the long run going to be a good thing and then my my non-infosec one is the government's finally going to say that we have met
1: extraterrestrials oh nice yeah, i, I like that prediction. How we're going to end okay. this
2: year i mean we still got what a week yeah it's two weeks that could still come uh, i'll it's like prepping us for that
1: okay i'll throw one more on that um actually uh derek not only will the government say we've we, we, uh, we've had uh, extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial uh, uh, contact for, for probably multiple years, but um, that they also sicked COVID-19 on us, right? Mm.
0: They also created reality TV, so now we're all going to be mad. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> right.
2: Uh
1: So, um, yeah, tech, technology-wise, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough gig. I think um, we in the security business are not going to be bored. Uh, in 2021, with, with, without a doubt, the the ever increasing diversity of of software out there is going to keep us busy for a long time, and the uh, you know the new compute models that have been around and, and developing more and more and more are going to have us focus much more on the control plane of the technology than ever before. And by by that I mean, um, there's so much um, there in terms of uh, um, cloud where it comes to to virtualization. Um, Uh, control plane for for your infrastructure resources all the way up through virtualization control plane on your uh, application layer. I think this is going to be a tremendous amount of work to do there. Um, And uh, we're going to see uh, uh, absolutely um, a a re-examination of of, uh, that that software deployment model uh, with this SolarWinds thing, and I don't know how that's going to play. Um, So it's, it's going to get it even
3: more interesting
1: my predictions i don't know, what, I don't know. Um, what do you got rob what do you got rob
3: sure i think that um i think that more things are going to get containerized sort of like what you're saying um yep i think that like a lot like how macs have kind of containerized their apps for a while not actual containers like docker but like container in in a single folder and stuff i think that more and more applications are going to start having their own Basically, file system to themselves and at some point even chrome will just be you know a single folder or single you know virtual hard drive to actually do the containerization and so as operating systems become less and less you know goliath you know application runners and more and more container runners i think that defense is going to get a lot harder because the EDRs that are now, you know, designed to look into anything can't look inside of those containers and those companies are going to have to grow and pivot into containerized EDR systems where where it's not going to slow down the application to a point where uh because you're going to have to run those EDRs in every single container to get catch stuff, right? So you're going to have to have some kind of, you know, looks, uh, you know, visual or not visual, but like API into the containers to to track, you know, process execution and network execution and stuff.
0: There's no way to do it besides with an API. No no good way, right? Right. Like if you're going to run, you can't run... You know 37 instances of
3: silence to do that right right and yeah. and because containers run as root in you know, a lot of cases it's really easy to install containerization inside it and I did a talk a while ago about like putting uh, netcat and interpreter inside of a docker instance of tomcat inside of a docker instance of another web app that I had so it allowed me to get multiple layers deep and the only time you ever saw anything was if you tcb dumped right netstat didn't show anything that kind of stuff so like i think that that's where we're moving and everyone needs to get on the containerization train before it 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 rolls on through yeah it's it's already left the station yeah i was gonna say
0: it's already leaving the station you're like running after it because you were you know wondering what the, why the nine and three quarters was a number at the train station or something
1: <laughs> yeah so I mean so the ha- the hard part of the the, the fight the fight or battle is going to be uh, for us to get the appropriate apis to get visibility for security products into some of what 's going on there, and I think that same battle was actually fought with uh, operating system layer virtualization right the same thing was was started to occur when you saw software switches coming out for network traffic and that sort of thing and it was how do we get visibility in there and we're having we're going to go around that uh we're going to go around that circle uh, um again with with application layer uh virtualization so it, yeah it, it's going to be interesting to see how um people uh in the industry respond to that you know another thing that that's occurring and has been occurring for the past year and a half or so has been this concept of security as a service, and I think we are going to see a, an increased emphasis in specialized security as a service kind of options uh, what, and I'm we're I even mean, talking about some of that what unlikely. does that mean yeah so so what does that mean right is it is it a uh, is it a managed service provider that we 've seen in traditional model or is it somebody that focuses Exclusively on on hunting threats in your organization is it some sort of continuous pen testing operation? I mean, uh, I think there's a so lot mean of
3: like more MSSP style.
1: Yeah, more MSSP style. I think there's a lot of options okay. there, um, but also the outsourcing of of a lot of what used to be boxes that we put on networks with with the um, uh, with 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 cloud continuing to develop at at such a rapid pace. I think we are going to see software that feeds into a security as a service market in terms of monitoring uh, and and the MSSP market that will feed it and, and drive it um, so I think uh, you know we're going to see we're going to see some interesting things there I think is it going to change us as pen testers what do we think about that guys you you know we pen test things for a living we do we do a, a variety of different things and
0: I mean it's in this, I've been doing specifically pen testing and security for six years now and it's changed drastically in six well drastically it's changed a lot in six years certainly you know internal like windows environments you know change significant good changes have been made but then on the on the flip side like as you know Rob was saying there's just new technologies containerization cloud services you know uh, in the mobile space where i mean in a lot of ways some of those are still kind of wild west type things so yeah I I guess the good news yeah, is, is that they'll be retiring tired. next year.
1: So, <laughs> I was just kind of reflecting the other day and think about one, take, take one aspect of pen testing. Look at web applications, for example, right? When I first learned how to pen test a web application, if you put an interception <laughs> proxy in the path, you could find most of the vulnerabilities, right? It was going to be a cross-site scripting. It was going to be a cross-site request forgery. There was going to be a, you know, I
0: can't uh, remember the last time I found legit cross-site
1: scripting. <laughs> exactly right. So what what's happened in the web web app space is that is that most of the software activity has moved into the browser, and a yeah. lot less of it is about the back and forth of the traditional HTTP one yeah I mean model.
0: So most every web app I run into now is a JavaScript presentation framework for a backend API, and, yeah. and so, and, so and what do you end up doing? API right? Like, you know, vendors have their stuff together. Like, it's it's way harder to be a web app pen tester than it was in 2015 or 2016. And I think in a lot of ways, at least from what I've seen, training hasn't even really caught up. Like, I pick up stuff from talking to other pen testers. Like, I don't even think web app training is caught up to where web app modern web apps really are.
1: Yeah. I mean, in fact, what you end up finding yourself doing a lot is spending time in the developer console inside the browser to work out what's going on inside of these (coughs) JavaScript frameworks and, you know, and using any plugins in that browser that might be able to assist you in that endeavor. And it's less about the interception proxy. You'll put an interception proxy there, but so, and, and that has changed in the space of, of, you know, the last four to five years, I would say, it has steadily marched into more of a browser client side model. Um, with with lot lot more emphasis on the JavaScript frameworks, right? So that's just one space. So I, I think the 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 lesson is for a lot of us in the pen testing industry and in the security industry in general is you just can't be stagnant <laughs> if you're not learning every day you probably shouldn't be in the industry, you know, brutal honesty, right?
0: Yeah, but on the flip side of that. You know, I used to argue, well, I used to advocate that, you know, you'd go to your day job, you'd come home and then, you know, eat, sleep and breathe information security. I would no longer recommend that. And if I ever told anybody that I'm sorry, because I don't think that that's healthy. And I think you definitely should have some non-computer and infosec related hobbies.
1: Oh, um, absolutely. You've got to unplug. If you don't get some brain space, you, you, you've got you've to get a little distance once in a while. Whatever that is for you, for me, it's a little bit of woodworking, playing a little bit of music. You know, you've know, you got to get some space. So I don't know.
3: Any I wish I could. <laughs> my, 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 my safe space is movie theaters. Oh, no. Oh, right now, oh that's yeah, so bad. Not, not good at COVID, COVID times, right? Not um, awesome for COVID times. So next year's oh,
2: prediction there's going to be a a boom in uh, home theater and man caves.
3: Uh, AMC has got, uh, or has submitted for uh, bankruptcy. Have you heard that one? Oh, really? So yeah, sad. Surprised me, yeah. I that's, did. That's sad. biggest it, theater in the U.S. No, I mean, I think it,
0: it it'll be some modified thing of like drive-ins, right? Like, I don't think theaters will totally go away, but I mean. I know you have a different opinion of this, but I only went to two or three movies a year anyway, because, um, you know, taking the whole family to a movie and then we'd go to one of those where you sit down and eat. It cost me two hundred dollars. And I
1: yeah.
3: um, no. heard of movie pass.
0: <laughs> yeah. But the dinner is 90. Right. Like, uh, I
1: mean, it's not it's not cheap. Right. No. Um, but it is an amazing experience. I mean, I actually liked those places. That catered with you know high end recliner seats and in seat service and stuff like that. So I was like, man, that's that's pretty cool, right? They they were sort of being directly competitive with people's home theater setups. And there's something to be said if they did the sound right. I, I'm I'm a big stickler for correct sound. If I go into a theater and that the sound is garbage, that actually really irritates me. I want my money back, right? It's there? And and that's some sometimes that happens, you know. It's like, yuck! I paid my Whatever it was, fifteen bucks or whatever. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been to a movie. But it's like eight <laughs> almost bad. twenty, yeah. yeah. Well, it depends on yeah. your theater. I want and- the sound to be right. Yeah, um, but, but um, yeah. I so think, who would have uh, thought driving theaters would be on the comeback, right? Because of COVID. Wow, what a crazy, cool thing.
3: Yeah, the driving theater near near us has had um so so many new like lines. So it used to, so you used to have to get in line to get in. Around six thirty, and it opened. The movies would start at eight. They'd open it up at around six forty-five. You could get there at six thirty or six o'clock, and and be in line enough to get in. And you wouldn't, it would, you wouldn't have the front row, but you'd have a row, and it was good enough. Now and day, like the the recent movies that we've gone to out there, we had to get there at five or four thirty just to have the chance to get in. Like. But that we ends actually, up
0: then being like a seven-hour ordeal.
3: Oh yeah, like, <laughs> oh absolutely. So we would get dinner beforehand, and and eat it in the car on the way because we just couldn't have the waste the time to get there. Like this, it's it's insane the lines that are happening at the drive-ins right now. Wow, wow! Well, I yeah, haven't
0: I, I, I don't, don't think it's haven't. permanent if we don't have a drive-in yeah. here. But then again, there's only sixteen thousand people in my town, so.
2: There's still, I so think, there's, there's still an audience for the movie theater. It'll come back, uh, eventually. Oh, absolutely.
3: There's still a market there. However, twenty twenty one, all it's of all of uh, Warner Brothers' movies are going straight to HBO Max. Yeah. So, like, you'd like it's yeah, definitely going to be the, the year big, of streaming, or if this year is the year of streaming. Hey, if the big Rick. theater companies start going only streaming, like. That's that's the end of movie theaters. Wasn't right? it
0: was, wasn't AMC trying to work out some like exclusivity deal with one of the uh, you know, movie companies to do like they get like a certain amount of time where they had uh, where they were able to play the movie. And then it went like a week later or something to digital or, or am I wrong? Because that seems like that would be good. It I'd be OK possible. with I mean, I think, think with
2: a, rentals. You yeah, know, you could rent the movie at Blockbuster and then like two months later it was on HBO or.
0: Yeah, again, I mean, like there are some movies that I wanted to see. It takes forever, like, or in the past it would take forever for it to come out, right? And I didn't go to the movie theater to see it. But if the turnaround time gets, you know, weeks, like a week or two, yeah. um, I think that maybe that or ends up being happy medium. Okay. But then again, I don't really know much about the movie industry other than I watch them sometimes.
3: And this has zero to do with InfoSec, <laughs> which is probably a good time to say, yeah,
1: yeah, oh, it's, you everybody. know. It, more to the point, do you think Microsoft is still going to try to push their browser on us when they have not succeeded so far? Edge? Any Edge is Chrome. I oh, yeah, Edge is no, Chromium no, no, no. now. and,
0: and right? so, so, like, they don't have I, to push it. Yeah, and now I use it because it's Chromium. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it's nice.
3: They do have a different store for their extensions, though, which sucks. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, we probably should uh,
1: call it a night. Time but, to get uh, our space. Mm. It's, um, I wish. It's been a uh, absolute pleasure working with you guys this year, of course. And, yeah. Uh, we'll see oh. you in the new year.
0: See you soon. Bye, everyone.